0: And now let's read these instructions. We'll clap to synchronize our recordings on three, two, one. And now we're going to introduce the concept for this uh, Patreon content. Hello, everyone. I'm Scarlett. And I'm Tori. And today we are going to be returning to a previously explored bit of content for our Patreons. Uh, This has been done before by Sammy and Ursula, but we're going to have a crack at it today. It is called Story Cubes. The concept is that we have a collection of dice with images on each face instead of numbers. In this case, we have a digital tool which simulates this. And one of us, uh, I'll be starting first, we'll roll the dice, we'll pick out six of them, describe the symbols that they see, and then begin a story using those six symbols as prompts to guide us through uh, into the next step of the story where Tori will roll the dice, include those elements in the middle of the story, and then I'll come round and finish up the story with another six. Then we'll swap round, Tori will start the second one, I'll do the middle, they'll finish up. So that's the basic concept of it. So I will begin by rolling some dice. Mm-hmm. And some of these have technology on them, which will be very interesting to try and put into the world of queer engineers. So here we are. So there is a very concerned looking face. I don't, I don't know if it's concern or... On ennui, perhaps? I don't know. Um, there is an open book, a question mark, a wand that's shooting out some sparks. There is a dice, a, a d6, and a clock face uh, pointed to about quarter to two. So I think we start with a long lingering shot of a magical academy. And we get tighter and tighter in shot and we see um, young aspiring magic users with their first wands and other magical implements, uh, training in courtyards, experimenting with horrible arcane magics, trying to enforce their will upon the world.
1: What, like resurrect the dead?
0: No, who'd ever do that?
1: But then we, we go
0: upwards into the library, which is built into an enormous tower with books all around the walls, stretching up for miles, potentially. There are lots of students here studying, researching. There are postgraduate students doing research, taking them 10 years. And some of them look stressed. Some of them look happy that they're in this amazing place full of books. But one student looks worried. It's hard to tell why, because outwardly nothing's wrong, but they're flicking through a book and they look up and they see a sundial. There's actually no, do clocks exist in Queer Dungeoners? I'll say clocks exist in Queer Dungeoners. That's fine. They look up at this clock on the wall and swear violently slam the book shut, shove it back into the uh, into the wall bookshelf next to them, grab up their wand and uh, rush downstairs. And so they rush down these stairs and it's a, this enormous spiral staircase leading down, down and, down and down and down and down and down, further and further and further until they find themselves in the basement level of this enormous library. And here, this is the, the sort of restricted section. Some books are dangerous, some books are old and need to be taken out with special care and consideration. Um, some books are just very horny. There's lots of different reasons you'd put a book down in the restricted section. And the student rushes through, and this, this, this restricted direction extends underground, outwards. The student runs through dark halls illuminated by burning green candles until they come upon a door, and the door is locked. The door is sealed shut with no obvious means of opening it. The student reaches out their wand and just taps it against the door. And the door starts to swing open. And then slowly creaks back shut again. And then slowly swings open. And then starts swinging shut again. He does this a few times. Just open, close, open, close. Never enough for the student to sneak through. And the student taps their foot impatiently. And then has an idea... Grabs one of the the books nearby. It's a a thick tome put down here, not because of dark magics in it, but because it's just it's a it's a very strange book, full of writings about the nature of the the universe. And it's a really weird thing because the author is convinced that the realm of the mortal folk is round, and obviously that's massively <laughs> incorrect because, as everybody knows, the realm of the mortal folk is completely flat. Um, but it raises these very esoteric questions. And so, you know, it's been put down here in the restricted section, um, because philosophy is illegal in the realm of the mortal folk. It is now, I guess. It is now. Um, We've made this true with our words. Sorry, Sammy. Sorry, Sammy. The student takes the book and waits until the door has swung open and shoves the book into the gap. And the door closes shut and then just opens a little bit further and then closes back onto the book, and then opens a little bit further. And so, with their gamble having been successful, they flip the book round onto its side, so now it hits against the sides of it, opens a bit, swings, opens a bit, swings, opens, swings. And then with that, there's enough room for them to slip through into the chamber beyond the doors. And Tori, I think that's as good a place as any for you to pick
1: up the story. Okay, let me just roll my absolutely correct and real dice. There's a tower. A circle with arrows pointing in different directions. A postcard.
0: Oh, it's a postcard. Right. I thought it was like an ID card. Or oh something.
1: yeah, I suppose it could be an ID card as well. No, I like I think it I think
0: it looks like a like a postcard. I think that's that's not a bad pick for that.
1: There's a torch, a little figure running away looking like a bandit, and then the final one is an amoeba.
0: I'm looking forward to see how you work these things into a fantasy setting.
1: <laughs> okay. So, um, the door that the student walks into leads into a spiraling staircase that goes up and up a tower that was definitely not there before. They kind of huff in exasperation and start walking up the stairs because they know if they start running, they're only going to get like halfway up the flight of stairs before lying down and dying as academic types do. (laughs) Hey. As they climb higher and higher into the tower, strangely enough, it gets dimmer and dimmer. They rummage through their bag and find a flashlight, and uh, they flick it on, and a weak little beam of light shines out into the dimming staircase. They continue their way up, and after climbing what feels like an eternity, uh, they reach a landing, and On that landing is a floor that's got a kind of weird, squishy texture to it, and around them are different doors leading in many different directions. It's another one of those bullshit magic puzzle things. So our student pulls out their wand again and mutters a few arcane words under their breath and does a couple flourishes and then a little pink light beams out from the end of their wand and points towards a door just to the left of them. Quietly, they step closer and kind of looking around furtively and they come close to the door and on the door it has a sign that says mail room. They reach for the door handle when the sponginess of the floor suddenly becomes less spongy and more like a rug being pulled out from underneath their feet and a big slimy looking bacteria monster rears up behind them and booms Who dares
0: rob the mail room? Who dares to commit mail fraud? Or something. Sorry, I love the idea that this magical college in the mail room is protected behind multiple magical puzzle doors.
1: Yeah, you don't, you don't know what kind of things turn up in the mail. Maybe this uh, <laughs> academy it, like, has magical means to deliver magical things, you know? Maybe they take people's privacy really, really seriously.
0: Okay. So I have got uh, a lightning bolt, a magnet, a set of like cogs or gears person listening to music there's an arrow like pointing up and right and there is some sort of missile projectile crashing into the ground while either an alien saucer or a planet with rings is in the distance so i think this student's first order of business when attempting to defeat this horrible horrible creature is to open with the most powerful spell in their arsenal which is lightning bolt of course Um, let's go obvious here and releases this crackling beam of arcane energy from the tip of their wand. And the thing they are fighting is a large amoeboid slime monster. The lightning has very little effect. It soaks in through it. It dissipates out through into the floor. Uh, the creature booms its booming laugh and surges forward and emits a, a keening, hum, horrible humming noise. And the, the student claps their hands over their ears, you know, flecks of blood appearing from their ears. They they just managed to, to jump out of the way in, uh, just in time, uh, despite being stunned by this horrible sonic attack. But obviously they were prepared for such an eventuality and pull their definitely not headphones because it feels weird having people in a high fantasy setting have headphones, but they're little rocks that they've got enchantments on that they just shove in their ears and they start playing music by their favourite band.
1: What is their favourite band?
0: The Mice Girls.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Awful.
0: It's tell me what you want, what you really want. Cheese. <laughs> that's that's the extent of my Spice Girls knowledge. Um, dancing and ducking under this creature, the student rushes around and they see you. The walls of the, the mail room are not still. There are a huge number of uh, of mail slots and things where pneumatic tubes are taking parcels and letters to other parts of the academy. You see flying creatures of all sorts uh, picking up letters. Behind the amoeboid creature who is slowly advancing sinisterly across the room, there's a, a lever built into the wall so the student runs along runs across and pulls the lever and the whole room starts shifting and twisting around and the tubes decouple and start spinning around and then the student does something very clever they pull a handful of essentially ball bearings just a little handful of generic metal items There's like a paper clip and some spare change and just haul them overhead at the amoeboid creature. They're not very athletic, so some of them miss. Um, and it's hard to throw a handful of objects and get them all to hit. But most of them, you know, find their mark in the in the amoeboid body of this creature and sink and settle in with a horrible squelching noise. And then the cogs of the of the room turn, and, and the whole the whole system twists around. The ceiling kind of telescopes open, and you see, uh, like, yeah, for a metal iris. Kind of sphincters open. Ugh. Mixing metaphors here, but you know what do you want? And so then the student pulls out their wand, and waves it, and the metal objects in the amoeboid's body suddenly become compelled to find the metal in the ceiling, and the amoeboid is lifted into the air. Its little tendrilly things flailing ineffectually, and it floats up gently into the air, like when you let go of a magnet and it snaps against the opposite pole magnet. <laughs> And smacks up against the ceiling and wobbles there, screaming. So the student, having defeated the guardian of the mail room, has to climb a bit through some of the pipes and the tubes and manages to find a little a mail slot. And they click it open and they gently take out inside. Uh, it has a book, a pulp sci-fi novel that we would sort of recognise. Someone swooning dramatically in the arms of a of someone else. One of them probably has green skin or something and tendrils for hair, you know, that sort of thing. The student sits kind of cross-legged in the mail room and just sits there reading through this incredibly trashy, like, sci-fi romance novel. And I think that's the epic conclusion of our first story. Okay. (laughs) I didn't know what to do, because it was so incongruent. The image there was so, like, I mean... It was so incongruous with Quid Engineers. It was like, there's a fucking spaceship and a, like, a missile crashing. I was like, how do you include that in Quid Engineers? like, without just doing that? And then something crashes in tower and everyone dies. And I was just like, okay, they have a fucking, it's a shit sci-fi novel that they want to get. That's what, that's their ultimate treasure from this.
1: But you know what? That's valid. Yeah. As someone who reads dumb shit, yes. That's valid. Yes. So I'm starting the next one. So I'm going to click. Okay, so I've got a bunch of really strange ones. The pictures that I got are a key, a magnifying glass, a sad face, or like a very anxious looking face, and then there is a person with a blindfold on drawing the anxious face, a close up of someone's hand drawing a person, and then there is a person whose shadow looks like a big monster. Our story begins. With a shot of a key sitting very innocuously on a silver platter, a hand enters from a frame and picks up the key, and we track the key over to a large tome. This tome is very intricately decorated; it's got like gold leaf and filigree everywhere. And strangely enough, it doesn't have a title. However, there is a very large keyhole in the middle of the book and the unseen person inserts the key into the lock and unlocks the book. The book opens in a flash of light and we are now looking over the shoulder of a person in heavy robes. There is a hood on the robes and the hood is quite large and quite low and seems to cover the eyes of whoever is sitting at the table before the book. The person or whoever it is picks up a rather ornate pen. It's an old-fashioned quill. The person dips the quill into a well of ink. When it comes out, in the candlelight you can see the ink has a reddish sheen. The artist Lowers this ink pen to the surface of this now open book. This person or this entity is drawing a puppy. And as this puppy is being drawn, words start appearing written around it. We can't understand these words. These are in glyphs that we don't understand that don't really make any sense. They're not known. The camera kind of zooms in on the puppy. The puppy looks kind of worried looking and, uh, then this puppy begins to move. Uh, it shows kind of like a fast forward of a puppy growing up. And as it bounds around on the pages, it leaves a inky looking smear behind it as it goes and lives its life. Okay, now it's your turn.
0: Now I'm going to roll my dice. That's... How do you follow up from that? Okay. I have a world. It could be flat. Like, it is just a circle. There's, no, there's nothing to indicate that it's three-dimensional. I have a fire, an aeroplane. I have a person. I'm not sure if they're, like, hanging off of something. Like, they're hanging off a ledge or they're trying to do a pull-up or something. I'm not 100% sure, but they're, they're hanging off the edge of something. There is a person reading a book with uh, what looks like great interest or possibly complete bemusement. Um, It's, again, hard to tell. And there is a person who is uh, counting out some money. So the sentient dog drawing, I think, is a massive hit, financially speaking, for this person. They've drawn a puppy into existence. Like, that's so cool. They've got a drawing of a puppy that's real and animates and lived a whole puppy life. So they go out and show, and it's got a kind of um, carnival kind of feel about it. You know, you come up and pay some money, and you see the amazing um, sentient dog drawing. Well, they start to think about it and they realize that they've just been using this animal that they've conjured. They've just been, you know, they haven't been giving it really enough of a a life or enough attention. They start drawing, they start using this same ritual and the same things that they've performed to to draw extra things for the dog. They start drawing, at first, it's just physical things. It's toys for the dog to play with. It's, um, you know, a lovely bed for it to sleep in. It's things like this. But eventually they start drawing more complex things. They start drawing houses for the dog to live in, they start drawing other creatures to look after the dog. And eventually, before they know it, they've drawn an entire civilization, an entire world in this book. And the dog runs around and experiences this wonderful world that this person has drawn for them. And eventually, they, they start withdrawing from the from the public showing of this dog, You realizing that this is a sentient creature, whether it's sapient is another question, but it is aware and it is in some way living. They stop using it to make money and they just keep it to themselves. Year after year goes by and they keep drawing, adding on things for the dog. They keep drawing more things until one day they wake in the middle of the night to smell smoke and they throw on their things. They rush downstairs and they realize that their house is burning. Their house is on fire. And with no thought for their own safety, they rush in through the the flames um, to find the book. This world they have created within the pages. Grabs this book up, flips it open, and the page they've flipped to seems completely blank. And they flip to another page and they see these pages are completely black, completely covered in ink, which they don't. They never drew two whole pages covered in ink. They hold the book up, even as the flames are lapping around, they hold it up, and they go to put it down, but the book stays in midair and floats gently down, and the person uh, reaches over for the book. And then an inky black hand reaches out, grabs their wrist, and pulls them into the inky abyss of the book. Uh, they just manage to grab onto the edge, their fingers reaching over and uh, marking the cover. And they try and pull themselves up, but more hands reach up and grab their wrists and their ankles. A hand covers their mouth. Uh, More inky tendrils reach up, wrap onto their fingers, pull them back into the darkness.
1: Okay. I thought the story was going to be some cute little thing about how life created Brumper. Life the god created Brumper.
0: Never mind. Don't assume anything. I will always go for the super depressing dark ending.
1: The symbols that I'm using are a flashlight, a clock that says quarter to one, A crescent moon, a figure using a shovel to bury something, a figure falling, and an axe. This person is pulled into the book by inky tendrils and grasping hands, and as they fall into the darkness, really they're falling for quite a long time. They kind of quit screaming in the first maybe five minutes. They realize that Screamy doesn't exactly help, but as they're falling, they realize that whatever grabbed them and pulled them into the book isn't grabbing them anymore. It's disappeared. They're just falling without touching anything. I guess here they do a bit of introspection. Maybe they feel a little bit of guilt for essentially making a carnival attraction out of a sentient being. They feel a bit of regret. You know, they feel regret for bringing a life into this world without really properly taking care of it and listening to its needs rather than just deciding what it should use and just drawing that and providing that for the dog. As soon as they think that, they hit the ground. It hurts quite a bit. They still manage to uh, get up. And as they're checking themselves over, uh, they're fairly sure they haven't broken anything, but they are in quite a bit of pain. Looking around, they're expecting to be completely lightless, seeing as they were pulled into something pitch dark, but far above them, they can see a little crescent of light. This crescent of light casts a beam down onto this person and As soon as this person acknowledges that there is a light, the light moves and is cast in a direction ahead of them. This being walks forward and follows the light for a little while, using it as a guide. They call out to the dog that they had named. Brumpo? Brumpo, are you here? But they don't get a response. They walk for quite a while. They sense that a lot of time has passed, but only in markers of the physical, so they feel tired, their body aches, but it seems like time itself hasn't really passed. Nothing around them changes until, behind them, they hear a low growl. The entity turns around and calls out into the darkness. Brumpo? Is that you? There's no response. But this entity does feel eyes upon them. Feeling fear, the uh, entity turns around and walks a little bit faster towards the beam of light that's cast ahead of them. Behind them, they can hear another low growl and weirdly the sound of something being scraped against rough ground. This something sounds kind of metallic. The entity glances over their shoulder again to see what is making that sound, but again, it's just endless darkness. They don't see anything. They call out once more, uh, "Brumpo, is that if if that's you? It's really not funny anymore." The entity turns back around and starts and breaks out into a run uh, towards the beam of light. The beam of light ahead of them uh, speeds up, so it stays an equal distance away from the person who's chasing it, suddenly the moonbeam seems to slow down, and the entity runs up towards it. The light seems to have stopped on a wall of some sort. The light illuminating the wall doesn't seem to illuminate anything. In fact, it's greyish and almost solid looking. The light changes as well. The crescent moon turns into a full moon, and the surroundings seem to brighten up a bit. Through the wall, the entity can see faint shadows and shapes moving in bright colours that they didn't think were possible. And these lights and shapes kind of shine through the wall, sort of translucently. Behind them, they hear, Why did you bring me into this world? The figure whirls around, and behind them is Brumpo, Looking up at the entity like they created their entire world, which I guess is true. Why did you make me? I'm sorry, I just wanted to see what it was like. I just wanted to try, to test my limits. Brumpo seems to not take that very well, like this... And the small frame of the dog kind of bulges and ripples in a way that seems decidedly unnatural. Like it's a bag, and whatever is inside kind of pulses liquidly. Brumpo steps forward a little bit and approaches the wall where there is light. Brumpo looks like a dog, but the end of its tail seems to. attached to something. It doesn't wag like a dog's tail would. It seems almost umbilical cord-like. Looking up into the darkness, the entity can see a monstrous liquid creature made from shining ropes of fountain ink with a reddish hue. Creating me was a mistake. The liquid looking monster attached to Brumpo, perhaps maybe even that's Brumpo, lifts a hand, and you notice that the monster is just covered in hands. It's almost entirely hands, it's just limbs all wrapped around each other, and under and over, and almost like a ball of string. But one arm detaches and the hand transforms into the head of an axe and you realise that's the sound. That's what was dragging on the floor before. It's an axe and it swings down towards the entity and the entity just manages to dodge out of the way and the axe skisses against the wall, causing a loud screech. Please, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to bring you into existence like this. I didn't realise... And Brumper interrupts and says, No, you didn't realize. And attacks again. But this time the axe seems to crack through the wall a little bit. And light pours in real light. And using that moment of surprise, the entity slips through the crack. And behind them, the crack seals up again. Where they exit is a little forest they can almost make out the edge of the trees. When the entity walks towards the trees and reaches a tree line, they look out onto a small town. It doesn't have much, a bakery, a post office, a small bank, and this town is nestled in hills. And further away, it can see different little properties just dotted around, cattle lowing in their pens and the Entity thinks they've made it back. They're safe now.
0: Okay, well, that went in an unexpected direction. <laughs> there you go. There are two stories, two wildly different stories for you there. One fun sort of heist. Um, it's not really
1: heist. Well,
0: not a heist, but a, a sort of, I was going to say high fantasy. Well, I was going to say high school, but then I backed out of it because I realized it wasn't actually in high school. One educational facility based daring adventure um, to acquire a trashy romance novel and one psychological horror based on um, the dark dreams of humanity. Um, So thank you very much, everyone, for listening to today's adventure. Thank you all so much for listening. We will see you – or we won't see you. You will hear our voices next time.
1: Uh, So we used an online generator. It's on Scratch, but you can purchase your own Rory Story Cubes And play them yourselves. Uh, Other than that, we'll catch you on the flip side. Bye! Bye! (gasps) I wanted to get you to say bye.